Welcome to a, a very special edition of 55.1 Podcast. Uh, my name is Wes Berdine, and I am sitting in my dining room next to all the kids' toys with uh, Ben Grossman. Uh, ben, thank you, for, thank you so much for joining me. You're like briefly in Minnesota. You're just back from Russia. Just got back from Russia two days ago. Actually yeah. happy to be home for a couple weeks, actually. Yeah. Uh, so we'll have the New England game, the LAFC game. And then disappear for a much needed week away after an amazing seven weeks in Russia. Yeah, are you gonna are you actually going on vacation? Or are you gonna? We are or are driving you just... up north and disappearing for a week. Yes, parts unknown. Excellent. Um, well, well, Ben, uh, Ben is a, a consultant with Fox Sports. Uh, you just returned from a month or more in Russia. When did you go to Russia? Uh, June fifth through okay. July seventeenth. Whatever that is. Um, also a, a minority owner of uh, Minnesota United FC, former PR guy for Crystal Palace, uh, for Colorado Rapids. You also worked for Twitter during kind of early era uh, there. Um, so, listeners, if you kind of want more background on Ben, we did an interview last year. It was episode 58. Um, and you can kind of, there we talk about your whole path to to where you are now and just all the different things that you've seen and different perspectives of soccer. But today we talk about, we'll talk about Minnesota United a bit, but the world cup, because you, you, you know, we're just in the trenches and um, I'm really excited to see you. Cause I'm just like, so curious to get your take on the, on the tournament uh, on, on being in the back back rooms or the, the behind the scenes there. But let's just talk about the soccer because the world cup is exciting. Yeah, I, look, I, I don't want to have my spin machine on, so I will just be speaking on behalf of a lot of people who I've talked to, players, coaches, broadcasters. This may have been the best World Cup of all time. Yeah. I mean, people cannot... I've been... I remember World Cups really well back to like 86, 90. Um, I just don't remember one that was more exciting. The quality of the games, the quality of the goals, good Lord. Uh, the fin- fantastic finishes, the storylines. I mean, it starts two days before when Spain fires mm-hmm. their coach. Right. <laughs> and then you've got Argentina imploding before our eyes, right. Germany not making it through. Yeah. And then teams that were kind of, you kind of felt like they were filling out the roster, like Morocco playing unbelievably right. fun soccer, even though they didn't go through. Morocco, yeah. Peru, teams like that. Like, you felt like nobody came to Russia to kill the tournament. Yes. Right? The teams were there to play. And it was beautiful. Yeah. I mean, even if it wasn't uh, the, you know, however you want to define it, it was the greatest of all time, whatever, at least in the, what we, we might say, the modern era, the post, the EPL era, right? The, this kind of very TV oriented era of soccer. It's got to be, gotta be one of, at least one of the most exciting international tournaments beyond uh, World Cup. And so yeah. I, I'm kind of curious. You know, you said a little bit in there, but maybe let's dig into that. What do you think made it so fun to watch? Um, you know, what I think a lot of it was, was I know this is going to sound crazy, not having the U.S. team there hmm. completely changed the dynamic of this tournament because now you weren't drawn to what's going on with the U.S. for the three or four days leading up to their next group stage match mm-hmm. and how far are they going to go and all that. So you could really just get in tune with and drink in the tournament as a whole. And that's, you know, believe me, 
I would have rather had the U.S. there, of right. course. <laughs> uh, and, and I, you know, women's qualifying is coming up in October, and please, Lord, make it to oh, you know for yeah. next summer for the women's World Cup. I, I literally actually uh, couldn't. I'm, we're uh, not going to talk about that. Yeah. So, uh, but not having Wes, well, not having the U.S. there, just meant you could really, really, really just focus on the tournament as a whole. And I think it really added a fan, you know, fascinating dynamic that we haven't had in this country since 1986, the last time a U.S. team wasn't in the World Cup. Yeah. Now, I just remember it. The episode 58, if people go back and listen, it was literally a week or two before Trinidad and Tobago. And I think you, you I'm made pretty a, sure I guaranteed, you made a guarantee. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I guaranteed <laughs> that the U.S. was going to make it. I don't so. think anyone can really blame you since yeah. literally everyone made a guarantee at that point. Um, so... Uh, yeah, I, I think even I had a little more trouble, trouble um, finding an end to it without having my team and, and things sure. like that. But I, I think even for non-Americans, uh, for, for people who you know, for whom that that kind of U.S. the uh, part of it wasn't there, even for them, it, it seemed like an exciting tournament because it seemed like the the, the soccer, like you said, no one came there to kill off games. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was probably only four bad games. You know, there was there was none of that teams so desperate not to lose uh, that that went on. And the teams who I think were that way just got their asses kicked. <laughs> so, yeah. so uh, you know, and I don't know, I don't know if you, you you've heard anything or, or or have any thoughts of yourself. Like, maybe there's something tactical that happened at this tournament, or or what seems to what what. Uh, part of the kind of pendulum of tactics suddenly made for the the weird results, you know, Germany results, you know, all, all, all these things. You know what some people have told me have opined, and look, I'm not smart enough to answer your question, and I don't know that there is an answer. It okay. might have just been a perfect storm of things. But a lot of people credit, I know this is going to sound crazy, VAR. Okay. They think that because of the way... Big Brother was always watching. Yeah. There was less of certain kind of tactics on the field that could potentially get you caught. I don't think there was a straight red in the entire tournament, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, there was, I mean, it was a cleaner tournament, and a lot of people say because of VAR, yeah. that let people play a little more. Um, you know, we say it was wildly exciting, but remember the percentage of goals uh, that came off set pieces right. was crazy high yeah so just for whatever reason people were finishing set pieces and unable to defend them sounds a little familiar um (laughs) and it was really uh you know so you had set pieces flying in but the goals was the goal i mean you could put together an unbelievable list of the top 10 goals that didn't even make the top 10 or the top 20 (laughs) yeah i mean the fact that you had nacho and pavard having those two Unbelievable yeah. goals. That would have both been the goal of any other tournament. Right. Both those happened at the same beautiful outside of the... I mean, and you could just one after the other. The goals, the quality of the goals was unbelievable. So I, I don't know if there's an answer to your question, but just thank goodness it happened that way. Was there... Did you have a, a particular goal that... Pavard's. That, yeah, Pavard. Without yeah, a yeah. doubt. I mean, I know it's cliche, but if yeah. you've ever played soccer to be able to do that. Um, and there were some unbelievable goals, like I said... I'll go way back to Russia's first game against Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. The fourth goal, I forget the name of the player, yeah, he stepped yeah, yeah. off the outside of his foot. Yeah. And that doesn't even make any of the top 10 lists, whereas yeah. that would have been the goal of the tournament. And right. Any of us try that, you break your foot. Yeah. And it was just, you know, fourth first game we're off and running with Russia putting up five goals. I mean, what a story the Russians were. I mean, that's not it's not a soccer country. They were terrible leading up to the tournament. Their coach was a national joke in Russia. Their late night their version of Jimmy Kimmel was lampooning him and it was a big thing. 
and then they come out and are one of the most entertaining teams throughout the whole tournament. Yeah. It was, I mean, just like I said, one storyline after another. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you're right about the, the amount of kind of superb goals. It, it was basically set pieces, uh, own goals, and then magic goals. There was no, no one except for Harry Kane. No one except for Harry Kane had just a mundane put in a goal, it, it feels like. Um, I mean, pick your kind of goal. You yeah. know, dead balls. Like you said, put, I mean, how about the, the Belgian counterattack? The 10 second oh, right. back to front against right. Japan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, literally drawn up off the training yeah. ground. Couldn't have done it any better. I mean, it's just absolutely unbelievable. Charisma's uh, Travella, oh. you know, I mean, that, yeah. that I think was probably the eighth best goal at the time. Isn't, isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I'm curious. What you you know, Fox Sports consultant is like a, a magical, mystical, secret thing. Or, but what was your role at the tournament? What were yeah, you? so during the tournament, I'm I'm uh, a consulting producer is what it's called. Okay. Basically, what that means is I'm uh, along with a, a group of really really smart people. Uh, the executive producer of the World Cup is a gentleman named David Neal, who did a bunch of NBA Finals and Olympics for mm-hmm. NBC for a long time. He was the executive producer, uh, the head of Fox Sports, Eric Shanks, a group of other people. Uh, we were all involved in kind of uh, helping to dictate what, what you saw on television, whether mm-hmm. that was working with the talent, working with what the shows would look like, with a great group of producers. Um, so we were kind of all aspects of it. So basically, if you liked Alexi Lalas, thank you. If you hated him, sorry. <laughs> Apparently, there's some people who hate him. I, yeah. Um, so then, with that, was what was your when a game was on? Mm-hmm. Were you in a were you in the studio? Were you completely dependent on the game? Yeah. Okay. Um, and what was going on in general? Um, so you get there, and I want to go back to a night before the tournament. I want to come back and talk about the 2026 World Cup awarding. We can't skip that. Okay. One of the coolest nights of my life. I was lucky enough to be in the room. Okay. So we'll come back to yeah, that. Yeah, please. Yeah. But. So the tournament starts off, and you have, I think it was 15 straight days of the group stage, mm-hmm. where you have three, sometimes four matches back right. to back, and that was Groundhog Day. And luckily, the tournament gods had set it up, where every day there was at least one great game or two, yeah. where you had a big team playing every day. You never had a dog of a day. So sometimes I was on the set with the talent, kind of working with them, talking you know, in between while the game was going on about what we we're going to say. Otherwise, back in the studio where we just kind of, you know, are talking to producers, talking to talent about what we're going to say, working with them. Okay, this is happening. Here's what we're going to talk about at halftime or kind of looking ahead, too, of like, okay, in the next couple days, um, maybe, hey, these two guys look really good on camera together on set. Let's make sure that, you know, Kelly Smith and Alexia are always together or whatever. It's it's like picking a team, right? You start and then you kind of find where the chemistry is and what's working and all that. And we had people come and join us who were there just for a couple days at a time, like the Irish national team coach came in just, you know, he had a couple days and we right. grabbed him. Uh, Clarence Zedorf, the mm-hmm. Dutch legend came and, you know, he was amazing. Absolutely amazing. And I've never seen a guy, he, he can't go two minutes without being stopped for an autograph, by the way. It's <laughs> unbelievable. I call him the most interesting man in the world. He was yeah. just fantastic. Um, and so that was it. It was working with, you know, we had a lot of new people working with us, right. Who hadn't worked with us before. So it was kind of getting everybody comfortable and learning about American television, which is very, very different. If you've worked in other you know countries where maybe they don't have commercials like we do and all right. that, so it's just trying to pick your team and get them on the field and yeah. do the best you can. And like I said, it's day after day. Well, I'll I'll ask you more about that, but please yeah. tell me about the 2016 oh. uh, awarding. I, I don't know what this event is. This so, is the award 2026, the World Cup. Oh, 2026. Okay, yeah, I thought there I was some sort of like previous. No, thing. I'm sorry if I okay. misspoke. So, yes, the so 2026. Yeah. yeah. So I was lucky enough to be in the hall 
when they awarded. So we had a FIFA Congress right. on the day before the World Cup started. Yeah, it's and, it's like actually, yeah, I didn't remember that because I forgot that the whole thing happened. Yeah, so, the World Cup so was just a black ago. hole. But that was a big, big, big day, right? Because that was going to almost paint how the whole tournament felt a little bit as an American. I hate to say right. it, but yeah. if we won, okay, I know our team isn't here, but we've just been awarded this World Cup. Right. There's this unbelievably beautiful beacon now down eight years from now that we can yeah. all look forward to and build towards. Or if we lost that day to Morocco, it was basically like, oh God, like can yeah. anything more go wrong at this point? Yeah. So you go into the hall, you sit down and you've got a full you know, four or five hours or whatever it was of stuff that FIFA has to accomplish. Mm -hmm. They have to go through little votes on different things here and there. And the last thing is the awarding of the 2026 World Cup, which was down to us, Morocco, or none of the above. Yeah, or re-vote without these, re-bid without these two. And we would have been eliminated. Yeah. So I I can say this now. I had a a whip count given to me that Mm -hmm. said we were in good shape, meaning the U.S., Canada, and Mexico, the united bid. So you go in there, but after everything that's happened in the past, Wes, right. I didn't believe it at all. I yeah. was petrified, even though I had people tell me, like, we're fine. Yeah. Um, so we're sitting in there, and we get to it, and, you know, they do the vote. And literally, they do the vote, and, like, right away, they're going to flash it up there. And before they flash it up, Johnny's up there, Infantino, and he says, you know, and the way he said it, it wasn't like, he just kind of said it. It mm-hmm. wasn't like, and the winner yeah, is... Yeah, he didn't pull da, 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 out the envelope. No, and, and, it was just... And suddenly you're like, oh my God. And we... I was with a couple other people from Fox Sports. Yeah. And then the US... The bid committee contingent was right over there. And they said it, and we all just... I mean, you oh, thought yeah. you were going to be composed in a moment like oh. that? <laughs> Absolutely not. And we jumped up and just screamed. Yeah. And it was funny. The people all around us were turning around, taking pictures of us and yeah. asking... you Congratulating us. Yeah. And, uh it was just, it was one of those moments you'll never forget because you knew, you know, not to be Pollyanna, I kind of got, I'm not going to lie to you, I have a little goosebumps mm-hmm. talking I'm, about this. Yeah. Like, the World Cup is coming here. And yeah. I have a very special relationship with the World Cup because the 1994 World Cup kind of launched my career. Yeah. I worked for it in Boston. And from there, my career in soccer just took off. And now here we go again. In 2026, we're going to have a chance for an entire new generation of people to be touched by this event kids going to the games people volunteering at it and maybe launches their careers like it did mine yeah it's just going to be absolutely amazing and what it's going to do for our sport you know we're past the point you know people ask oh you know what did certain things mean we're past the point where we need that inflection point i mean soccer as a sport is off and running i can give you 10 different reasons why including the ratings for the last world cup without a u.s team but to have that know that we're going to just get this massive jump start in 2026 Mm -hmm. It's just, it's unbelievable. That was, if you asked me, would you rather have had the U.S. team in this tournament or win the rights to 2026? Without a doubt, hmm. I would rather have the rights to 2026. Yeah. So Not we, even question. The sacrifice worked. Well, I don't know that yeah. it was one for one, but uh, <laughs> I would like to have both. Right. But let's not get greedy. Yeah. So, um, so coming back to the, the um, in the studio stuff, I, I'm kind of... Uh, uh, curious about various things. You had uh, a, a couple big things, I guess. You know, Ali Wagner, the the first uh, first. I, I don't know what what she was the first of to to call the World Cup first in, English for the language. Because okay. I, I, I think Telemundo had a, a female as well calling games, but yeah. she was the first woman co-coms. Yeah, uh, much like Kendra was for a, right. a pro uh, major league team. Yeah, uh, Ali was for a World Cup. Yeah. Yeah, and and to at least you know my uh, my 
extremely official um, uh, count of how Twitter responded got rave reviews. Her, her and uh, Derek Ray and John Strong and Stu Holden all seem to get really great reviews Did from, from uh, people on the inter- internet. And I wonder, in terms of putting together those teams, how that works in terms of, well, you know, Stu Holden and John Strong, and, and, and as well as pairing uh, um, uh, Derek and Ali. And then you had uh, John and, and, and Tony as well, who... Um, uh, JP and Tony, JP G- Delacanne yeah, and sorry, Tony JP, Yeah, excuse me. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, look, uh, putting Derek and Ali together. So Derek, this has been well documented and written about. Derek hired me for the nineteen ninety four oh, World Cup. Okay, that's right. Okay, and so he was my guy. I, you know, I reached out to him and got him into this, and mm-hmm. David Neal and everybody thought it was a great idea, and so we brought we brought Derek in. David Neal's the one who put uh, Derek with Ali. Thought they'd be just a really smart X's and O's, great yeah. team. Uh, and he was right. I mean, what a great call. And they were fantastic. And I'll tell you, the funny thing is, is I got more than one text from back home uh, here in Minnesota saying they sound just like oh, Cal and Kendra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's funny. Yeah, so they, thought, you know, they thought I had taken that thing because Cal and Kendra worked so well together for Derek yeah. and Allie, but that wasn't my call. That was, that yeah, was, you know what? She, she does have a very uh, – Allie has a very similar – uh, just w- way of doing doing that X's and O's yeah. thing and very just straightforward talking about whatever tactic, whatever just worked or didn't yeah. work. Um, and then and then t- talk to me about the in in studio stuff uh, because you had a you like you said you had a, a rotating cast of people. Yeah. Often it was almost always anchored by um, you had well you had two two different groups you had uh, Rob and Alexi. And then I'm blanking on the... the so there's a woman named Kate Abdo. Right. So she, yes. she or Rob Stone would be our host, if you will. Right. And then next to them, we would have either two or three analysts, analysts or pundits yeah. or whatever you want to call them on the desk in Red Square talking pregame, halftime, and postgame. Yeah. And we did a lot of moving around uh, because those days were really long. When you're doing four games right. in a row, you're starting at, you know, in the, in the morning, going yeah. all the way through the night. You just buy... The, if you do four games in a row, you're... By the end of the year, you're just cooked. You're dead. Yeah. So you'd rotate talent, as we call them, you yeah. know, people in throughout the day. So, you know, you'd have Kate would do the first couple games, then Rob would do the next right. couple. And then maybe you'd have, like, Gus Hiddink at the beginning, and then Clarence Seedorf would spell him, at, you know, in the afternoon. Yeah. Because, again, especially during the group stage when there's not a single day off, you know, it's it's just about – it's it's the same thing as managing minutes for, for players on the field, like I said. Yeah. You're just trying to manage your talent and keeping them fresh so that you try to make decent TV once in a while. And how, how do you, or how did you go about kind of running through the, the large uh, narratives, right? You know, you, you have the obvious ones about, yeah, you know, so that's you've a got great Cristiano, you've got Leo, right? Yeah. You've got, you got the, the big names ones, but mm-hmm. then how do, you, how do you shape these other kind of... It's a great question. So you really have to think about your audience, right? Because when you're talking about uh, Denmark playing Croatia or whatever mm-hmm. it was and having like 8 million people watching or whatever, yeah. you know that you are picking up kind of mainstream, casual mm-hmm. sports fans. It's not just hardcore soccer fans because we see the ratings of other soccer games and other mm-hmm. leagues. And once you see that big delta, that big change, you mm-hmm. know we're picking up other people. So it's important you think about talking to them too. So they want to hear about big stars, or at least we thought they did. And, you know, so it's a... We were accused at times, I heard, of 
talking too much Messi, Ronaldo, and Neymar. Sure. Yeah. I wear that like a badge, and we talked about that. Mm-hmm. We are, I mean, the NBA finals are what they are because it's all Steph Curry and LeBron. Yeah. And that works. And that people can, that's something people can understand. It's big, huge stars that they've actually heard of because people have seen, even if you're not a soccer fan, you've seen kids walking around in Messi jerseys or Ronaldo jerseys or right. Neymar jerseys. Like, you can touch that. Yeah. So. We were not afraid of going too much on, as we called them, the big three, or between us, actually, we started with the big four, because we wanted Mo Salah to be part of that. That didn't work out for many reasons. Um, (laughs) But then once that happens, Wes, you just kind of go with the tournament. You realize, oh, wait, Germany has sprung a leak. Mm -hmm. We need to talk about that. Kylian Mbappe has decided he's going to make this his, yeah, I don't want to say coming out party, because he's already a wonderful player, but he's the audacity. Certainly on 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 an international stage had never never done anything like that. The audacity of what that kid did. And then you had Belgium, who in the past was, you know, the the saying 23 players, 23 taxis. They were never a team. Suddenly you said, oh my goodness, Roberto Martinez has gotten this right. right. Let's tune into Belgium. Croatia, not a sexy team. Luka Modric, not the sexiest player, even though he's amazing. Yeah. Oh my God! They, they're not losing. Yeah. You know, they were the one team that did not lose. Yeah. And Luka Modric was, you know, again stamping his, you know, as the best player in the world. Yeah. Literally, right now he's gonna win the he's gonna win the Ballon d'Or yeah. probably. Um, so you just kind of you kind of take what the tournament gives you, and you can't try to force too many things. Right. Uh, I mean, look, we'd love to talk about Tunisia's left back, but nobody's gonna yeah. nobody's gonna listen. Yeah, I'm, but there is that that kind of. Um, uh, push and pull of wanting to wanting to speak to a larger audience mm-hmm. because unlike or I guess different than let's say Telemundo, um, you have a Telemundo has kind of new people who don't really watch you know they don't they're not watching Liga M- MX or or these mm-hmm. things that often but it's the World Cup they know they, they need to watch. Um, you have a higher percentage of Americans uh, or people watching your broadcast who. Are casuals or or not even soccer fans? Yeah. they're just there. Um, and so you've got you know obviously you're talking about kind of wanting to reach them to to hit the touchstones that those people have, and then also wanting to create a um, uh, a, a broadcast that you know speaks as well about the actual soccer and stuff like that. Yeah. How do you kind of navigate? navigate that is that a matter of like trying to get an, uh, an analyst different kind of analyst or <coughs> talent in there you try to do both yeah right you try to do both you try to give touch points for everybody so some people who i don't believe actually watched our shows said we dumbed things down sure i summarily reject that you can talk about messi and ronaldo and neymar but then we can show the belgian counterattack right. that i just talked about yeah. and you can you can talk about the passes the passes the passes sure. but how about the guy who never touched the ball who yeah. actually made the goal lukaku Right. He makes two different runs along the way, including the dummy, that completely clear space for the pinball-like passing that went around him. Mm-hmm. And when you, you know, we don't just say, oh, what a great goal. We break down, okay, forget about where the ball is. Watch Lukaku and how he made that goal. Like, that's the kind of analysis that we would do consistently. Yeah. And that, you know, that's, we're a perfect example of like, we're not going to dumb things down. There's going to be stuff for everybody, we hope. And, you know, we would, Clarence Zedorf, Kelly Smith, people like that on our desk are fantastic analytically. Yeah. Um, you know, look, Alexi's good analytically, but he's there for fun too. He's there to push people and have a little fun and all yeah. that stuff. Um, but we had, so we tried to have, you know, somebody on the desk kind of for everything. And then, you know, our game callers, I'll put those up against anybody. Yeah. Uh, I mean, 
Stu Holden was unbelievable this tournament. Tony Miola's X's and O's are absolutely fantastic. Ali Wagner is great. Mm-hmm. Warren Barton, uh, and he knows that. I mean, he mm-hmm. had an unbelievable tournament, and he's somebody that we don't see calling games a lot because he's been on the desk for Champions League in right. America. But boy, did he step up as a, just a really good X's and O's guy. Yeah. So I'll put our X's and O's during the games, our game callers up against anything that's been done in the World Cup before. Yeah. In terms of the how you kind of measure success, you kind of you kind of already threw in that uh, caveat of without the U.S. team, right? Because uh, when you talk about ratings or just just in ter- whatever how, whatever metrics you guys have of was this a su- success for us, um, you, you know the home team, the primary interest for your, most of your, I guess Mexico would, is the other home team, but you know, the primary interest for an English language U S broadcast is the U S. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, I, I wonder like how you kind of measured that success and, and, and was it, a, was it a success? It's Were pretty you... easy. You measure it in TV ratings. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, there's a scorecard, right? And there were two things coming in that you knew. There was not going to be a U.S. team. Mm-hmm. And the time slots compared to the last World Cup right. were not good. Yeah. They were not advantageous compared to being in prime time, if you will. That was right. Brazil. Our games were on in the mornings when people were, and during the week when people were at, at work or getting up or still asleep on the West Coast. Um, so you knew coming in that you had, you know, you were up against that. Uh, tournament starts. Numbers were fine at the beginning. Um, and we kind of thought... Uh, as the tournament went on, once you got to the point where the U.S. usually goes out, which is about mm-hmm. the fourth game, right? They usually, just going by the numbers, they get out of the group stage and usually lose that first game, maybe the yeah. second one. Um, then you'd start to really see some comparisons. And once we got to the round of 16, you started to see uh, World Cup ratings records in English language. Uh, the quarterfinals, the semifinals, you saw these massive numbers and you were like, wow, okay, that's great. It's what we hoped. Um, and it was just a great payoff, not just as a TV network, but for me as a soccer fan, like there's no U S team. These games are on at, you know, different times and look at these numbers. We're setting all time world cup ratings records. You know, that just goes to show you like there's something happening with this sport in America and it's not just, you know, nationalism around the U S team. Yeah. That time slot, you know, Fox has the world cup again in 2022 in, Mm -hmm. in Qatar Time slot is going to be probably just slightly better, right? Yep. I imagine it's it's somewhat similar if memory serves. Um, but remember, it's a November December World Cup. Oh, that's right. So I know, and I just yeah. blank it out. Yeah. Out so of, that, look, that'll be different. I'm I'm really excited about it. Actually, uh, November December, there's going to be a lot going on. There's going to be uh, American football going on, which Fox has a lot of. Mm-hmm. So it's going to just kind of feel like there's all this stuff going on, and I think the World Cup's just going to get picked up yeah. as part of that. And I actually think it's going to be, besides, you know, hopefully having a really good U.S. team because of all the young players we've got coming up, that that World Cup is going to be pretty cool. Yeah. I imagine, uh, I imagine the English, the European leagues uh, are I have no idea how they're going to handle it. Yeah, I mean, well, same thing, you know, M- you know, MLS, we have to figure out, you know, the late season up. stuff yeah. and all that. I mean, look, everybody has known this is coming. I know it kind of got announced recently right, right, but, but everybody's known for yeah, three years yeah so you've got seven years to figure it out they'll they'll figure it out yeah um and then and the the 
broadcast rights for 2026 have not been awarded, right? Or, oh, no, or Fox has those. Fox has those yeah. as well? Okay, yeah. yeah. And so that'll be a, a home home uh, tournament for you as well? Yeah, I mean, it'll be in that. Mexico, Canada, and the U.S. It'll yeah. be, you know, most importantly, it'll be in, you know, primetime slots Yeah. Um, and going on here. And so I think, like I said, not just, you know, obviously for the television business, it's, it's fantastic. It's a home run. But yeah. um, just having it here is going to be unbelievable. Um, I want want to talk to you about the other behind the scenes stuff in the world cup. Uh, you know, you've got this time of this time where, you know, all the players, fans, everyone's coming to one country and it's just a convention, but you also have lots of, you've got politicians, you've got all these people who I'm, uh, media stars, et cetera. Um, all the journalists, everyone kind of coming in. What, what about that part? And I'm sure you were like, just basically just fried by the end, but, uh, what is that like when you kind of just see every like this big? It's like Comic Con for soccer, right? Yeah. Like everyone coming together and like, you know, Clarence Seedorf is over there hanging out with Angela Merkel or so. I don't know. You know well, I mean, look, the, the hotel <laughs> lobby was fun when it's got you know, like, hey, there's Arsene Wenger and there's Peter right. Schmeichel and yeah, all that stuff, yeah. and it's kind of like soccer nerd heaven. Um, but I'll tell you the one thing I'll remember, Wes, is the fans. Yeah, is the fans because to get to Russia is not easy. So everybody who got there really, really wanted to be there. And there was a street. So we stayed in central Moscow, right near Red Square. Mm -hmm. There was a street that was there that nobody expected this, including the Russian government, apparently, that became kind of the de facto gathering place for everybody who traveled into Moscow. So every night, and this was right outside our hotel, there was a party every night. And whatever teams were in town, that's where their fans went. So during the group stage, you had different nations fans there every night, which was absolutely wonderful. And you'd see like, I remember this beautiful night where the Mexicans and the Russians were standing across the street from each other having a sing-off. And so the Russians would start with their song and the Mexican fans would join in, try to learn the words and join in. And then the Mexicans would sing a song and the Russians would try to join in with them. (laughs) But like, when would you ever have that anywhere else in the world? So I don't mean to be Pollyanna, but that was the power of the World Cup right there. Forget politics, forget backgrounds, forget all that stuff. Like the game just bringing all these people together. And it was happening right outside our hotel, which was wonderful, unless you didn't wanted to get to sleep. Right. Yeah. Because it was loud and it didn't stop. I remember we came back one night from a Russia game, actually, and there was a guy had set up a stand right outside our hotel selling those thunder clap oh, yeah, sticks. Yeah, yeah. And what, when they're selling that outside your hotel, you know it's going to be a long night. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. Next time, stay a little bit further away from. Uh, I know, I know. Be careful what you wish for, but uh, that's that's the most memorable thing. It's not the politicians. It's not FIFA. It's not any of that stuff. It's seeing the World Cup truly do what it's supposed to do, and that's bring people together because of the game. Yeah. Who won the Fan World Cup then? I'll tell you who was amazing. Was Mexico. Okay. It was Mexico. It was. Uh, they were fun. They had big numbers. They all had the big sombreros, and everybody from other countries wanted to come up and you know, have pictures with their sombreros on (laughs) and they were just, yeah, it was fun. It it was, it was great to see them really. Um, I think runners up were Peru were amazing. Croatia and the Russian fans, the Russian fans were unbelievable. Yeah. Do you, do you think that the, that do you get the impression uh, from either talking people or whatever that this, this is maybe going to spark something in, in Russia or is it so hard to Yeah, I'm not smart enough to answer that question or in tune, but it was known that Russia was not necessarily like a huge soccer nation, if you will. Yeah. Um, but you could say from a professional standpoint, not with all due respect to the past NASL at the time in 1994, yeah. neither were we. And look what's happened since 1994. Right. So hopefully it does for Russia what it does for us from yeah. a soccer standpoint. Um, I want to transition to talk about Minnesota United then. Uh, and obviously, 
you're here not speaking for the team, just kind of you, you, you obviously are related to the team, but, uh, so I, I will ask uh, questions accordingly. Um, but you know, we are now a year and a half into the, the MLS era and I'm wondering what, how do you, how are the things going from your perspective? What do you see that, that you like and what, uh, how, how many iron skillets have you bought to fix the set piece problem? <laughs> that's fine. Uh, I, I'll speak about what I am and why I got involved in this thing in the first place. And that's a kid who grew up watching the kicks and the strikers. Mm-hmm. Um, I am, I've just come back from Russia where the captain of the team that plays in Minnesota mm-hmm. was playing in the world cup, mm-hmm. playing you're, you're, in the world cup. You're wearing, you were wearing the Jersey right here. I am wearing a Francisco Calvo Costa Rica Jersey. Yeah that I brought with me to Russia, and on the three match days where Costa Rica played, I wore it in the studio every day. So you're obviously good luck. <laughs> yes. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, friend. I'll get rid of this now. Um, but, uh, you know, like I said, you grew up watching the kicks and the strikers, and now suddenly you've come back from World Cup where the captain of the Minnesota team mm-hmm. is playing there. To get here today, I just drove by our stadium. Mm-hmm. And I've been gone for seven weeks or whatever. Yeah. So it's, oh my it's goodness. Yeah. The the whole the the yeah. the fabric has gone so up. So you yeah. ask me how it's going. That's that's my perspective. Yeah. That's where I come from. Is I look at it from a macro perspective, not oh god, we almost you know blew the game against Salt Lake the other night. Yeah. Um, but that would have really pissed me off too because I woke up at three in the morning to watch that game as right. I did every game. So <laughs> I would set the alarm for three in the morning because that's usually what time they were on yeah. in Russia, wake up, watch our games, go back to bed, which was great when you're seeing Darwin's hat trick. Right. Not so good. In you know, Houston. Some, yeah. That some was of the probably... other times. Yeah. <laughs> but at least you can wake up again then at, at whatever time seven and be like, oh, that was just a dream. It was just yeah, a very yeah, yeah. bad dream. <laughs> but I, again, like, you, you know, you're there and Calvo's playing in the world cup, yeah. which you can't gloss over. Yeah. I mean, the guy's playing in the world cup. It's, unbelievable and then you've got i'm getting texts the next morning after darwin's hat trick mm-hmm. from all of our color and play-by-play guys around the country who are traveling yeah. as soon as i walk in every studio like oh my god that was the greatest hat trick yeah. i've ever seen in any league um and that's our player that's yeah. a guy who's playing for minnesota and like it's just you know you, you you know we're all in the day-to-day stuff as fans and all that stuff but when you leave like i did for a while you kind of you're able to regain some perspective yeah and oh my goodness, um, I was just with, uh, I can say this, I was with my old friend Brad Friedel today mm-hmm. at breakfast, uh, who's now coaching the New England Revolution, uh, who we played tonight as we're recording this. And Brad was at our training center yesterday, mm-hmm. and he just could not have more amazing things to say about it. The new fields we've got, the locker room set up, all that stuff. And, you know, it's what most teams in MLS are aspiring to get to, and we're lucky enough to be building that right now yeah so look i know you know i i hear everything the fans want because i'm one of them mm-hmm. and i've said this to you before if if you buy a ticket or you watch our games on television you get an opinion yeah you get an opinion and it matters and we're not going to always agree and we're not going to do everything everybody wants us to do but it's you know you you want as a club you want to be held accountable by the fan base because that's who built this thing and that's who matters and so yeah if everybody's complaining that we don't have a number six it's better than them not complaining at all yeah it means people care and people want what we want which is this thing to be a wonderful long-going concern let me ask you then because you've got you can speak to this not just with minnesota united but when we talk about um having that level of accountability and you know obviously a lot of minnesota fans myself included who have been around for a while um, 
you know, we're introduced to this team in a completely different environment, right? Completely far less professionalized environment, right? There were five people who worked for the team when I first started watching, and there is a, a few more than five now. Um, and so there was, there's obviously a very different level of accountability and closeness to the fans that is kind of just a natural progression, you know. Um, but how does how does a team, Minnesota or whoever, respond to? Because um, you can say things like, "Yes, we all know we need a six. How do you um, acknowledge something? You know, you want to put a positive spin on it, but at the same time, kind of uh, accept that level of, <clears throat> of responsibility or, or re- respond to, to fans in that way. Does that question make sense? Well? Zero. Okay. Try again. <laughs> Damn, now I'm getting critiqued. What, what, is a, what is a good way for a team to respond to criticism without, without just kind of... Uh, um, kind of saying, yeah, we know this is a problem. You can, I mean, you can't always yeah. respond. To it. Let's be, I mean, let's sure. be honest. You've got, you know, we're lucky enough to this massive fan base. Yeah. And, you know, growing constantly. And everybody's going to have different opinions, you know. And so you just, you know, you, you listen. And our front office, I mean, Chris Wright is maybe the best hire I've ever been involved in in any way. Mm-hmm. He's been unbelievable for this franchise. And I mean, look at the look at the crowds, look at the numbers, look at everything like that. And Chris and Bryant Pfeiffer and Maureen Smith and our front office staff are just doing an unbelievable job. And and, you know, you just you know, I know that I know that they're listening. They're trying to make the the stadium experience as good as possible. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, Manny and Adrian, they will they want to win, you know. They want to win more than anybody. I promise you that. So all you do is, you know, you just listen and you acknowledge. But it's not like, you know, the whole world says, oh, you guys need to get a better, you know, insert position here. And you run out and do it. It's not realistic because, you know, we know, you know, what unfortunately a lot of of people don't have to deal with, which is the ins and outs of how this really works. of balancing your salary cap and what's coming down the road and all that stuff. And then, you know, people forget we had the spine of this team torn out by three injuries. Yeah. I mean, you add you add Kevin, Ethan, and Sam Cronin to this team. It's a playoff team. I'll say that right now. It's a playoff team this year, and we still might be. But you know, you you kind of forget about that as you get yeah. lost in everything. Of like, we also had some really bad luck this year. Yeah. So now you're talking about the players we're bringing in, and now you're going to bring back in two or three of those guys next year. I think this is going to get pretty fun pretty fast. Yeah. I I mean. The fun part has uh, it's always been at least uh, eventful. <laughs> Even when it's no, not the positive kind of fun. There's lots of been lots of goals. I mean, we've only had one nil-nil uh, result in the year and a half. Uh, in, Is that in right? MLS. Yeah, just that Houston. It was the one of the worst games of soccer I've ever watched. But it was that nil-nil last okay. summer. Are you not entertained, Wes? <laughs> not for that game. But uh, I mean, I mean, the 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 goals have to be infuriating. And and uh, you know, I said this on the podcast this week. Uh, it, I have a lot of criticism for Heath, but I kind of, when he was flipping out uh, on in that post game, uh, there's reason to do that, right? I mean, whatever blame can go on him, there's also blame on the, these players. Every, there's blame to go around, and that um, no one should be like, well, we got three points. When two home games in a row, you ship five points, five goals, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, when you had three goal leads, that's that's kind of. Uh, it's kind of crazy. Um, and so th- that kind of frustration is ni- nice to see. It's, it's, um, but, uh, 
you know, especially because it's it's certainly shared by a lot of fans, you know, and, and seeing this stuff and being like, you know, no one no one expects Atlanta, um, but I think they they want to see progress, or at least I'll speak for myself. I want to see progress, and that that has at times you can look at it, you can see Quintero, you can see actually most of the team I think is way better than last last year, um, and then feeling frustrated maybe if those results aren't there, but. That's not a question. That's just me speaking. Yeah, to you. no, that's fine. I mean, <laughs> like I said, look, in my position, you just want to know that there is a uh, a structure in place and the right people in place across the board. And I can't be, I couldn't be more excited about what uh, what the future of this organization on and off the field. Very yeah. frankly, uh, we're excited about the two new players who are going to debut sometime in the next, you know, days to weeks or whatever, yeah. and then off we go from there. So and so for next year, then maybe maybe give me your your uh, dream list of what what does next year look like if it's successful on and off the the, the field. I mean, on the field, I'm not gonna say anything about that. You know, you want to have an, uh, obviously want to have a playoff team. You yeah. know, entertaining, uh, exciting, all that stuff. But as far as specific things, that's not for me to sure. talk about. Uh, off the field, I want it. I want it to be everything that you know, we dream about and think it will be, uh, the best stadium in the country. Um, you know, when we as an organization went out to get the gold cup game mm-hmm. that's coming in yeah. 2019 and, you know, we worked with on us soccer to say, we want to be the new, you know, home for us, especially cold weather games mm-hmm. that maybe Columbus used to be. And once Mexico beat us in Columbus, that, you know, that, that designation may be open and why yeah. not Allianz field? Um, I want that faith that we've placed in it, and frankly, that now U.S. soccer has placed in it by giving us the first competitive match the U.S. Mm-hmm. national team will play since Black Tuesday in Trinidad. Uh, you know, we just want to justify that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, as you drive by the building, you hope. And frankly, I'm, you know, this is going to sound ridiculous, but we could play our games at Southdale with this fan base, and it would still be amazing. Yeah. You know, the, what, the, what the fans do, and I mean... You'd watch, I'd wake up at three in the morning and watch our games on television in Russia, and the atmosphere coming through the TV would be better than some of the World Cup games, and wasn't close sometimes. Yeah. You know, I can't tell you how many coaches and players I talked to from around the league when they come and like, oh my God. You know, I was even, I was talking to the New England guys today about it. Yeah. You know, they've seen it on TV, they're expecting a, a hostile atmosphere tonight. Yeah. Like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Very hostile. Um, Hostile's well, the wrong word. Yeah, no, I'm just excited. <laughs> you know what I mean. I'm gonna shit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, we 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 did love uh, uh, jeering at, at Mike Petke, who is one of my favorite co- coaches. But uh, I will jeer every, every everyone, especially when you see him getting in a fight with the ref. Uh, and, and Brad, we can uh, make some uh, jokes about his accent or something. I, I'm not exactly sure, but um, I, I you know I. I want to say thanks for you to come coming in and talking about this stuff. I love talking soccer with you and, uh, and especially the kind of unique, uh, unique perspectives, I guess you bring to, to me when we, when we talk in on this podcast about cause the Fox soccer part, the Minnesota part, et cetera. And you've just been around and know lots of people. So it's, it's always great to hear from you and thanks so much. Yeah, no, ha- happy to do it. And thank you for everything you do for, our sport yeah. in Minnesota. It's, uh, like I said, it, it's important that we, you know, we all are working in a way towards the same thing, right? And that's making this thing mm-hmm. just as you know big and wonderful as it already has been. Yeah. Um, and you know, like I said, to be in Russia, Wes, and to be getting 
texts about Darwin and mm-hmm. texts about Colin Martin mm-hmm. when that news came oh, out. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's, and yeah. it's just like, and oh, you know, there was one time I was, I was at a, a Russian cosmonaut museum mm-hmm. and it was raining that day and I was wearing a Minnesota United uh, rain jacket. Mm-hmm. I walk in there and a Russian guy who was working there comes up to me and he says, he said, what's that logo? And I said, oh, it's the soccer team where I'm, where I'm from, Minnesota. And he goes, oh, Minnesota United. <laughs> well, think yeah. about that. Yeah. Think about that. A guy in Russia who barely spoke any English at all knew Minnesota United. Mm-hmm. I, that's pretty cool. Wes. Yeah. So yeah. that just kind of shows like where this thing is and where it's going and all that stuff. And it's something that, you know, everybody who's listening to this and everybody who's a part of it in any way should feel really, really, really proud of because we are building something special here. Uh, and there's going to be ups and downs, we know, but it is it is really really special. Yeah. Um, so just take this back to the owners. Uh, a number six, and I'm just kidding. I won't give you the whole. <laughs> I won't give you the whole. I'll, I'll I'll hand you the laundry list I've already written up. Uh, but thanks again, uh, and I hope to have you back sometime uh, again in the future, and we we will talk about all your other adventures. But you deserve a long. <laughs> off the grid vacation and uh and thanks for thanks for bringing us the world cup and uh, as well happy to do it and next time we'll have to do it at your bar beautiful 